Hello, hello. Welcome to the VHive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality, and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body, and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. Okay, you guys, before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about my new favorite product that I have been using every single night before bed. It is unbelievable. It's a magnesium supplement called Electrolyte Balance. Basically, it's a bottle of liquid and you pour only two teaspoons of it in a glass of water at night and it makes this magnesium drink that works wonders. A few of the benefits that I have noticed, when I say noticed, I mean this is literally the only supplement where I've seen immediate results. So my sleep is amazing. It helps me fall asleep fast and stay asleep, which is great. It also helps with digestion. Oh my God. In the morning, the systems are working beautifully to say the least. And muscle relaxation is another big one. I definitely feel relaxed and calm and I cannot even tell you how amazing this magnesium is. And you don't need to take it at night. You could take it after a workout. You could take it in the morning, you know, really whenever your body needs magnesium, but I love to take it at night. Okay, so you may be wondering what is different about this magnesium supplement than all of the other magnesium supplements that exist. Well, it is something quite important. Electrolyte Balance is a combination of magnesium and calcium bicarbonate. These are complex hydrated electrolyte salts that exist only in water under very specific conditions. So what that means is that most of the water we drink lacks these minerals and the magnesium powder and tablet supplements are not in bicarbonate form, so they are not bioavailable, which means they are basically useless to your body. According to Mount Sinai, 90% of Americans have a magnesium deficiency. This magnesium bicarbonate replenishes the body's magnesium reserves and provides the body with electrolyte salts, which reduce insomnia, headaches, and inflammation and helps with memory, focus, and relaxation. I cannot recommend this product enough. I wouldn't be sharing it with you all if I didn't fully believe in it and see the benefits from it myself. So all of the VHive listeners can receive 10% off their order of electrolyte balance by using the code THEVHIVE at checkout on www.livepristine.com. That's spelled www.livepristine.com. Two quick things I want to mention. When you go to this website, scroll down and you will see the electrolyte balance bottle. That is the product you want to click on. Also, the shipping is expensive, so my recommendation would be to order a six-pack of the bottles. That's what I did. This way, you will save money on future shipping fees when you want to go reorder a second bottle, and those six bottles will probably last you up to a year. So that is my tip, and I hope you all love this product as much as I do. Please let me know what you think, and without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. 
I am so excited for today's episode. Our guest is Charlotte LaGuardia, a board-certified clinical nutritionist based in Southampton, New York. She is a member of the American College of Nutrition and the founder of her practice, Thrive East, which was created out of her passion for real food, nutrition science, and the belief that all people should have access to individualized nutrition. Her approach is practical, goal-oriented, and always optimistic. Charlotte works closely with clients to support their health by first teaching why we want to choose real food, then how to create sustainable lifestyle changes. So today we are going to be talking mainly about all things gut health, how stress can impact our gut, what we can do to help combat constipation and different digestive issues, what her favorite supplements are, different digestive enzymes and probiotics that can really help to increase our digestive mobility, also different foods that will strengthen our immune system. So much going on. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hi, Charlotte. Thank you for being here today. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I've, I mean, we've talked about you coming on the podcast for so long now, but I've literally wanted to have you on because you've helped me so much with different gut health issues, digestive issues I've had over the past few years. And I mean, also, we've known each other for a while now. And you know, I just know how much you've helped me and how much you've helped so many other people that I've sent your way. Um, so I just wanted to have you here so that you could share all of your insights and tips and tricks because I feel like a lot of people are really struggling with their gut health right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, yeah, you've been through such a journey and um, I'm so happy to see you kind of really out on the other side and so much more educated now being able to, you know, care for your gut on your own. That's been my Thank biggest you. thing is, is kind of teaching you too so you can be more independent. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to start talking about it and sharing it because every day I get someone new giving me a ring and saying how, you know, something's going on with their gut. And I think it's something that's so prevalent right now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And one other thing that like I just love about you and like the way that you work is that, there's so many times where I've like texted you or called you and was like okay I need to make an appointment but it hasn't been like I would say when we first started working together just to give everyone a little bit of context which was Mm -hmm. probably over two summers ago like we met I don't know maybe like every two weeks for maybe two months and that was like when I really needed more like one-on-one but after that i would say every few months i'll have an issue here or there and we'll just do a quick facetime or zoom whatever appointment and you just give really tangible quick implementable things i think it's also nice that you do have so many suggestions in your toolkit that are easy affordable and can really help yeah well thank you i'm so happy that you had (laughs) such a great experience and i mean it is it is definitely a journey and i've found over the years that those kind of big lifestyle overhauls like change absolutely everything about your day Mm -hmm. forever 
they never really get us anywhere. It's in my opinion, it really is all about those small little tweaks on how to optimize your day and how to make it really accessible because we're all working and living and trying to have a social life and trying to eat well and exercise and read books and, you know, do all of these things. And there's only, you know, a certain amount of hours in the day. So if, you know, if I gave you this whole, you know, protocol that involved making every single meal from scratch and growing your food and taking a thousand supplements there's just no way that that can be done so it really is you know the best way is to take those small little steps and figure out what works best for everyone because I mean I definitely have a lot of advice for you but that the advice that I've given you is not what I give other people either yes exactly so it's all all very dependent which mm-hmm. is which is fun for me you know yeah. no but you do have so many just you just have so much like so you have so much good information and I just have always found you to be such a wealth of knowledge and I just felt like you you. were such of course you were such a good person to like you know I don't always ask everyone like what's your favorite supplement what's your favorite this but you have a lot of those things and it's like as you said if it works for someone great it might not it might not be what you would recommend to every single person you see but Mm -hmm. I wanted to like have you here to kind of go through you know a bunch of different issues that people might be struggling with and remedies that you might have but before we do all of that first let's just start by you kind of walking us through how what what led you to become a nutritionist how you got started in this career Yes, definitely. Well, it's actually kind of the reason why I have a lot of these insights and practical insights is because I've done it all myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually never intended to get into nutrition. I act, uh, Thinking back to like high school, my I wanted to be a lot of different things. But when I was in college, I finally kind of focused on uh, marketing. That's what I wanted to do. I was going to be, you know, in marketing. I was going to work a nine to five as, you know, I tell a lot of people like I really wanted to like be a business professional I was mostly looking forward to like wearing pumps to work and like (laughs) pencil skirts and stuff and that's like I was looking for that kind of regimented um, office position and by the time I finished college I realized that I was completely incapable of working a nine-to-five I had zero energy I was sick constantly like when I say constantly like at least once a month I had a cold for a week it was like, it was insane. I was always sick. My brain was so foggy. Like I couldn't remember a thing. I was getting like hives and rashes. I, I was a mess. I was a mess. And so by the end of college, I decided to take a break. So I took a year off after graduation and I used that time to just teach yoga. So when I was in college, I actually took a 200 hour teacher training for fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, again, didn't intend to really teach yoga. I just wanted to further my my own personal practice then I was like wait this is actually really fun and I can use it to my advantage during this kind of rest year when I was figuring my health out and so I was teaching yoga and I started seeing in myself and seeing in my all my clients and you know students who came to my classes I saw progression in them and I saw progression in myself but I also saw this little plateau starting to happen and I noticed that it really depended on what you were also eating And so that was kind of the first epiphany I had when I was like, oh, our, you know, physical activity and what we feed our bodies go really hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to actually go back to school. 
I kind of gave up my, you know, dream of working in an office and wearing pumps. And I went back to school again and I completed my master's in clinical nutrition. And in this program, again, it started as like a little bit selfish. I was like, I'm just going to learn for myself. No real intention to get into nutrition and become a nutritionist. But when I started learning what I was learning, learning how the human body worked, how specific foods affect the way the body works I was like oh my gosh like I have to tell everyone like I was like I I have to share this information and I have to use this to educate people because we aren't taught exactly how our body breaks down our food we aren't taught the you know the benefits of preparing food yourself Mm -hmm. and why you would want to make dinner over getting takeout And there's like so much more to it, like so much more to our bodies that we don't know. And I feel like we all kind of have a right to understand. And so that's really when I decided, I was like, all right, this is going to be my profession. And um, I hopped in, I finished my program. I got my credentials and hopped into private practice and I haven't looked back. And it's been, you know, an amazing ride and I wouldn't want to see my life any other way. Oh my God. And so when... Like, because you mentioned that you at first didn't see yourself going into private practice. When did that change happen? I would say that I was probably halfway through the program when um, when I was very confident in the fact that I was going to I was going to have a private practice and I was going to work, you know, one on one with people. Um, It was it's, you know always evolving. I had initially, you know, said how I was definitely going to be a hundred percent one-on-one and do nothing else. But I find now that I'm doing a lot more group activities and now, you know, a lot of things on zoom and, um, workshops and things like that, just to access more people mm-hmm. and, um, and interact with people too. I think it's really fun when, um, a large group of people can bring their experiences to the table and we can all learn from each other. So one other question I want to ask you is the timeline, kind of your timeline when from when you started school to graduated, I guess, and, and then after that, like, when did you realize that or when were you able to really heal your own gut issues and really, you know, improve your own health? And like, did that timeline coincide with when you were like, okay, I actually really want to help people now? Yes, definitely. So yes, I was like in real time implementing what I was learning in school with myself. And I was like testing it all out. Like I'm, I'm sure we'll get into like digestive enzymes and stuff, but I'd like learn about enzymes and I'd go out and buy them and try them. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this helped my bloating dramatically and bone broth. I started learning. I had no idea bone broth was a thing until I learned about it in one of my cooking classes. And I started, you know, drinking that regularly and I was like, wow, this is really working. And so, so when I saw it, you know, show up in my body, I was like, this is, this is all very important. Yeah, no, it is. And we talk about it, uh, you know, outside of this podcast, like you mm-hmm. talk about it in your, on your social media and just obviously with all the people that you work with, I talk about it in my realm as well. And then we talk about it together, but I mean, I have so many different gut health questions for you. The first thing that comes to mind that literally it just popped into my head, but it's something I think is really important to address. And I'm gonna preface this question by saying that some people feel amazing being a vegan. Some people feel amazing on a paleo or a keto diet, like no judgment at all whatsoever. Everyone should do what makes them feel good. But I will say that 
I feel like both of us eat very similarly where we, like you said, you've been eating a little bit of more dairy. I've been eating some more dairy recently. We both mm-hmm. don't really eat processed sugar or gluten, much gluten, unless it's like sourdough or, you know, for me mm-hmm. on occasion, if I'm out to dinner or whatever. But you mentioned to me that you see a lot of recovering vegans who mm-hmm. tried to be vegan or even vegetarian for an extended period of time and ended up really not feeling well and i just want Mm -hmm. to spend like a few minutes talking about this because i really feel like so many people see influencers or whoever that are vegan and they're like oh that looks so it's just like it's kind of like glorified i feel like on social media but i do think that for most people it's probably more harmful than it is beneficial and i want you to kind of give your expertise onto like what you've seen and and why you think that yeah, definitely. Yeah, what what a hot topic right now. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> you can't scroll through anything without seeing something, you know, promoting veganism know. or promoting vegetarianism, which, you know, all have their benefits. Yeah. I think we could all benefit from eating more plants. Totally. At the I, end of the day, all of us. And by no means am I like against yeah, someone yeah. who's a vegan. Like mm-hmm. if someone feels amazing, great but like Mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of people who are vegans or vegetarians and really don't feel well but like don't Mm -hmm. know you know they either like the idea of it or they think it's healthy or they don't know how to ease out of it transition out of being a vegan or vegetarian so yeah yeah i think what's happening is we are we're seeing a lot of glorification of it on social media like Mm -hmm. you know people are doing it and making it look good and making it look pretty but in real life um being a vegan is very difficult and it it requires so much planning and so much hard work to make sure you're getting all of the amino acids that you need and make sure you're supplementing with the right things like a you know vitamin d and b12 i mean honestly a full b complex i would probably like to see um and there's just so much work that goes into it and what happens is we're busy we have a lot going on. And if we don't have the time, energy, or the education to plan out our, you know, vegan meals, things can, you know, get lost, mm-hmm. like like B12 and, you know, other B vitamins and, you know, essential amino acids. And so that's when we can fall into feeling sick after years and years of missing out on certain things. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, really my opinion is like proceed with caution educate yourself and um listen to your body the second you start losing that like really good feeling you had in the beginning or the second you start feeling run down and tired and not well nourished that's the time you really need to reassess yeah yeah what's going on um because like I was actually saying with the the time thing not having enough time and not planning we start to lean to on processed options mm-hmm. and so I think there's every you go through the store now there's so many products like say vegan just yeah. right off because they know it's like it's a, a trigger word and it's a um it's a selling point for a lot of products and just because it's vegan doesn't mean that it's healthy that's it's such a good, at the yeah. end of the day it's going it's a processed food 
It could yeah. be paleo and it's processed. It could be keto and processed. And just because those words are on the label doesn't mean that it's actually good for you. So I, you know, at the end of the day, it's stick to, you know, the realest foods possible and plan out your foods mm-hmm. and, and listen to your body too. Really at the end of the day, it's body wisdom. And I say that I'm, I've said it to you a million times. Yeah. I say it to all my clients, it's, it's body wisdom and checking in daily. You know, how do I feel today? What does my body need today? So if you had, let's just take a a hypothetical example, Mm -hmm. but you have a client who has been a vegan and comes to you and is having gut issues and doesn't feel well, what would be kind of your first recommendation as to like something that they could, you know, a, a food they could implement or, or any, anything like what would be your first suggestion to them well yes so usually we have like the initial conversation of how how far are you willing to deviate Mm -hmm. for your health and um because i find that bone broth is like first and foremost one of the most amazing you know elixirs for our for our gut and bone broth does come from bones and so it's definitely not a vegan option um but i find a lot of um vegans recovering vegans that i work with will try it um they will try it and then they start to feel really good and i find that that's their first step towards you know incorporating little bits of animal protein and when whenever recommending like meat and things to people, I'm not, you know, fill half your plate with a T-bone steak and, you know, put bacon bits on everything every day, but it's where can we get that, you know, proper serving size that nourishes your body and gives you the nutrients that you need. And, um, and bone broth is one of like the best places to start. Mm-hmm. However, I do have people who are not willing to deviate, and that's completely fine. Um, in that case, we tend to focus a lot on things like vitamin C. Uh, vitamin C in the body helps to increase collagen production. So we're looking at like fresh fruits and fresh vegetables, trying to get those in through, you know, whether it's a smoothie or, you know, just having them whole. Those are really helpful. And then looking for other uh, foods that help to promote um, like good mucus production i know that sounds really gross um, but we need like a nice mucus layer in the gut to keep the lining healthy and so things like marshmallow root tea which we've we've used a lot together um, oatmeal chia seeds aloe juice um, or aloe gel uh, these are all really great things to add into that help build up the lining of the gut so there mm-hmm. are ways around it i just find that the bone broth works a lot faster yeah and um is so therapeutic Mm -hmm. also i've been making these gelatin gummies oh yum they're so good i'm sure you've Mm -hmm. seen like seen this or heard of it but it's basically Mm -hmm. this gelatin powder and you there's a whole recipe i want to post it on on instagram soon but like they're pretty much gummy like they taste like gummy bears they make them with cranberry juice but you could use any juice and Mm -hmm. you make like a whole batch of them and they have so much collagen in them I love that. That's mm-hmm. so exciting. Yeah, you'll have to share your recipe. I've been seeing it and like toying with the idea of making them. I just have to get a mold and I can't decide like, do I want bears or do I want <laughs> like, what kind of mold do I want? Hearts. I got heart ones. Oh my gosh, I love that. Okay. All right. Sold. I'm making them. Okay. Um, what's so funny though that I just, I need to, need to share this story really quickly. Mm-hmm. When you said, you know, I'm not telling you to throw bacon bits on everything. It was so funny because... <laughs> 
this past weekend I was away with my boyfriend and we were at this inn um, in Maryland and all of the food, they had like two restaurants there and all of the food was kind of like Southern food mm-hmm. and there was bacon on everything, but I was away. <laughs> and so we, you know, like a Cobb salad and then there was BLTs and like all of this food and I was eating everything and literally every meal I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. It was because there was bacon and everything. And my boyfriend was like, have you never had bacon? I'm like, no, I have. I just don't eat it like on salads and everything. I'm, oh my God, it was so funny, but bacon's really good. It is, it is really good. It's really good and it's great when it comes from a great source too that's what i say like yeah. bacon is bacon is something that can be incorporated in your diet it just needs to you need to know where it comes from mm-hmm. you need to know you know that it was fed correctly and treated well and you know that's the kind of bacon i'm promoting 100 um, percent. unfortunately and, um, i didn't know that i didn't i wasn't yeah. looking into that this weekend but generally right. speaking i think we're on the mm-hmm. same page with grass-fed and and all that right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and just yeah doing your best to stay like as local as possible and you know at the end of the day not all of us are going to have access to like local grass-fed beef I mean we're so fortunate um here that it it is easy to come by but not everyone has that opportunity and at the end of the day I think having some meat is still going to be more beneficial than completely eliminating it yeah and another thing that I just want to touch upon quickly is that mm-hmm. I remember a few months ago we spoke and I was like, I'm not, I was constipated and I was like, I'm not in the mood for any sort of like animal protein. And mm-hmm. you mentioned that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure what you were saying to me, which I've now have like read more about, is that when you actually for me at least when since i was consuming less meat i guess for like a short period of time my stomach was producing less digestive enzymes like i had less stomach acid which made me then less in the mood for meat and it was kind of like a vicious cycle and if you have less stomach acid then you're not going to go to the bathroom as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I remember that conversation uh-huh. and there was like a lot of stress going on yes. during that time. And a lot of times when we experience low stress or high stress, uh, our body starts to distribute resources differently and producing stomach acid does take a lot of energy. And so if we're stressed and we're feeling threatened, the whole digestive system gets turned down because if we're, you know, hypothetically running from a lion, we aren't focused on digesting. We're more focused on running and surviving. And so things like stomach acid start to get turned off. Mm. And so say your stomach acid is on the lower side due to some you know, chronic stress, maybe an infection, something like that, you can't digest protein as well, especially animal protein. And especially if you're not chewing, I just have to throw that in there. If yeah. we're not chewing, it's not gonna break down well. And then it just sits, it sits in your stomach and you feel miserable. And so you feel gross and then you don't eat meat and you feel better because it's you know not sitting. And so you start to stray away from it. And then our levels of zinc and B12 will start to deplete, our iron levels will start to deplete over time. And those are the nutrients actually required to make stomach acid and it becomes a little bit of a vicious cycle if you don't have b12 you can't make acid if you don't have acid you can't break down b12 and it you know becomes like a little cyclical and so what we discussed was really adding in a little burst of acid through um, some digestive enzymes for you know a short period of time so you could build back up your stores and kind of re 
restart your acid production and your whole digestive system. And a part of that too also is stress management techniques and, you know, slowing down, identifying why we're getting stressed, reducing stressors at meals. Um, it's, you know, a whole, whole body approach, mm-hmm. whole lifestyle approach too. Yeah. So when would you make a recommendation to someone that they should consider taking digestive enzymes? So if there is definite symptoms of food sitting in the stomach and they've worked on chewing their meals and they're relaxed at their meals, but food still seems to sit and bloat them, I'll consider digestive enzymes for, um, you know, a short period of time. Things like weak and brittle nails, um, burping after meals, um, these can all be, you know, physical signs that there's lower stomach acid. So I'll use assessments like that. And really, it's just having that conversation and like hearing about what their bodies feel like Mm -hmm. after, before, during and after meals and taking that all into consideration. Is there a specific brand that you really like? Yes. So I um, personally use and always pretty much recommend the Pure Encapsulations brand. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have two options of digestive enzymes, so they're very flexible. They have one that has acid and one that does not include the acid. So uh, it, you know, depends on the person, depends on the day. They're um, pretty versatile and can be incorporated pretty easily. Cool. And what is the, because I know that like so many different enzymes come in different milligram amounts like what's the ideal amount that someone should be taking so it definitely depends on the person too amount wise mm-hmm. yeah. uh, i like to do like a little bit of a test i think we had done this oh, together we did. Uh-huh. yes so with the pure encapsulations i think i can't remember the milligram amount i'm I think, I think it was like you said like one like one start with i don't remember the milligram either but mm-hmm. you said like yeah. take one increase to two three four five and see Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of do a little test to figure out where you fall on the scale. Um, You might only need one. And if you take two, you'll feel a little burning sensation and you know to back off to one. Um, But some people can go up as high as five capsules and not feel anything for an extended period of time. So it's completely dependent. And definitely, I would say requires, you know, guidance from a professional who's, you know, worked with this before, because at the end of the day, we are working with with acid, stomach acid, which is, you know, which is very um, corrosive. And, you know, can be, you know, dangerous if used in the wrong circumstances. But there are definitely ways to work with it. And if you ever went to like a gastroenterologist, there are more technical ways to test um you can swallow those little camera pills they can actually test the levels in your stomach um so there's you know you don't have to see someone like me but you could go see a gastroenterologist too Mm -hmm. and i just want to say that i completely agree like all of these recommendations are so insightful and helpful but like if someone really does if someone is really having severe gut issues they really need to like work with someone and I also think that like the beauty of working with someone especially like yourself is you know as I was saying earlier it's not like once you kind of spend a few sessions together and you know someone's history then you can just go back here or there and make tweaks and you have a better understanding of what works for your body and what doesn't and you can start Mm -hmm. to do things more on your own but I do Mm -hmm. think it's important to like initially have a process with someone who is really guiding you at least in the Mm -hmm. beginning yes yeah definitely and definitely yeah and then I also I mean a lot of people I'm sure are wondering this but I also want to ask you 
what is the role of probiotics like do those go hand in hand with enzymes should the, is it one or the other like what's the importance of a probiotic what probiotics do you recommend like everything Yes, yeah. So <laughs> probiotics work um, a little bit differently than our enzymes, although they do play a role in breaking down the food in our intestines. Um, probiotics should go to our large intestine. And our large intestine is where our microbiome lives. And for those who aren't familiar with the microbiome, it's about four to seven pounds of like bacteria and yeast that live in our large intestine. And the intention is for it to be this harmonious community that uh, produces immune cells and neurotransmitters. It helps to turn on and off genes, so it plays a role in genetic expression. And they are inoculated into our body from birth. So we kind of start with our first exposure from our moms and then things, you know, foods, things from our environment that make their way into our mouths that, you know, starts to build up the community. And then really it's just the role of food after that food and stress and exercise, actually exercise plays a huge role too. Mm -hmm. And they are, you know, they're just incredible and blow my mind every day. And so probiotics are these bacteria. Probiotics are supplement versions of these bacteria. And the reason why we would take a probiotic is say you had a course of antibiotics. Antibiotics save lives every day, but what they do is kill bacteria. And they, you know, they don't discriminate. They kill good and bad bacteria. So if you are taking antibiotics or a course of antibiotics, you should always add in more good guys just mm -hmm. to help keep that balance. Um, probiotics are also great if you're under stress, if your diet is more on the processed side, if you don't like fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, kefir, yogurt, all of these really great options. Um, definitely have an acquired taste and I have a lot of, I work with a lot of people who just refuse to eat them yeah. and that's fine. Then we have these, you know, supplemental pills, but I do find that our best source of prebiotics or probiotics is going to be from food. And, and so, yeah. And, and mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go. Well, I was just going to say, so I think the food is, is really like the best role there. And then what would be again, your favorite probiotic brand? Um, so I use Claire Labs a lot. Uh -huh. They have um, some really great varieties and they're really strong probiotics. So when it comes to supplementing with a probiotic, you never want to take the same bottle more than one time in a row. So That's um, so interesting. Yeah, yeah. So our, our gut is still very new. I like to remind everyone about this. <laughs> it's still very new in research. We don't know as much as we think we know about it. And I think right now, again, it's it's being touted as like the key to everything and, you know, take your probiotics constantly. And we also, we just don't know. And we haven't been taking probiotics for an extended period of time. We don't know, you know, the influence of taking the same 10 strains of bacteria every single day. Because if you look traditionally, things like sauerkraut, kimchi, these have been around for thousands of years. They've been consumed traditionally in cultures and they have hundreds of strains, hundreds of different types of strains where any sort of probiotic pill normally doesn't have more than 10. So to me, I feel like sauerkraut or kimchi, since they've been around for so much longer, we see stronger results in research. We just know more about them. They feel a little bit safer to me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but probiotic pills have their time in place. Like I said, with taking antibiotics, if you need an extra boost, if you're looking for a specific strain. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like sauerkraut, kimchi, yogurt, kefir, all of these foods um, are just, they should just become a part of our daily routine. Mm-hmm. And then what about prebiotics? Yes. Yeah. So prebiotics, these are the food to the probiotics. So if you want to cultivate a healthy and robust microbiome, you have to feed it and you have to feed it with prebiotics, which are pretty much fiber. So fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains, legumes, a full balanced, you know, diverse diet of fibers are what or what's really going to help keep the good bacteria growing in large numbers and staying around. When we feed our bodies with, you know, fried foods, um, sugary foods, processed foods, we're going to start feeding the not so beneficial bacteria. And the, the cool thing about the microbiome is that there are both good guys and bad guys, but they live in a balance. And that balance can be, you know, hit out of whack but it can also come back and so you know a quick disclaimer if you have french fries one day yes you'll be feeding the bad guys but it's also not the end of the world because you know later that day or the next day you could have like a great kale salad or a smoothie Mm -hmm. and and really like change it up i think that's a good point and what um like other things that you've recommended to me that have been really helpful, for example, one of them is psyllium husk. Like mm-hmm. that was kind of a quicker fix when I was, as I said, constipated a few months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the psyllium husk really helped. I just was like taking that at night for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Are there any other things like that that you recommend? Yes. Yeah. I love psyllium husk. I also love magnesium supplements when needed. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we're traveling, it's good to get like an extra boost. A lot of us tend to get backed up with travel. And so something like a magnesium supplement or like a mineral supplement, these are also really helpful in just moving things through when, um, when we're a little bit backed up. Uh, psyllium husk is my favorite too, because it can also be used in in like in the cases of looser stool. And, um, so it's, it's a pretty, magical supplement in my opinion because it it bulks and it you know smooths things out and so no matter what end of the spectrum you're on it can actually really help bring you back into balance that's really cool i didn't know that yeah i actually and what's cool too is you can also use it with your pets so if, <laughs> if really? you have a if you have a pet who is either like backed up or having you know looser stool um psyllium husk is really helpful and it's a great prebiotic. So it's That's like all around, it's, it's great. Wow, awesome. So, I mean, I think that the gut health, I'm glad we went over gut health because, you know, obviously now is a particularly stressful time. And I feel mm-hmm. like all of these gut symptoms, as you said, come hand in hand with stress. And I just, I mean, I feel like COVID's just been really stressful mm-hmm. for most people and just yeah. change of routine, change of environment, just change in so many factors of our day-to-day life but I also am curious to ask you like what else have you been seeing recently with your clients I guess besides for you know constipation or the opposite um or like gut health issues although I think everything's related to the gut but like what else have you been seeing complaints have people been having um now particularly yeah, um, I've been seeing a lot of fatigue mm. recently. Um, and That's so I think, true. 
I think I'm going to call it like zoom fatigue. Also, it's, you know, it's the fatigue of like being in the same location, the same desk, like in your house and just like kind of the monotony of it. So I, you know, if anything, I want people to know that it's like, it's completely normal right now. People are, people are feeling tired because of, you know, the restrictions. People are feeling tired because of the stress and um, to really honor that fatigue and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually taking the time to rest, but also taking the time to get outside. Um, you know, it, I have a lot of people and I mean, I'm guilty of it every once in a while, like not leaving the house for two days, not even like going outside. Um, I think it's so, so important to get outside and get, you know, sunlight on your eyes, get sunlight on your skin, breathe in fresh air, um, and just, you know, get moving all that really seems to help, you know, increase energy levels. It helps to reset your circadian rhythm when you can get sunlight on your eyes. So, uh, really getting out there and, um, and just enjoying nature if possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm also seeing a lot too of people um, complaining that they don't have enough time. And I I think it's really everyone that I I speak to at this point, not enough time, not enough time to take care of themselves or not enough time to do what we're talking about. And that kind of brings me back to like the first thing we were talking about. It's, It's all about focusing on those baby steps and those little, little changes that help. So whether it's you know, 16 ounces of water in the morning or a 20-minute nap after lunch if needed, just little tiny tweaks to help move you forward make all the difference. It's so crazy. Like, it's so funny that you said that because, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel that way too. Like, I feel every day, like, where did this day just go? Yeah. I feel like I didn't get half of the things done that I needed to, but it's so mm-hmm. weird because we're all home so it's like yeah. why do we all I, I, I don't know I think it's just there's a lot going on mm-hmm. yeah you know? a, there's a, a lot of you know a lot of information taking up our brains you know brain space there's yeah. a lot of emotion there's also like a lot of unknown and I think as as humans we like things that are predictable and right now we're we've just been living like in this unpredictable world mm-hmm. and that's that's a lot that's a lot to hold on a daily basis and so just still i know people you know talked about this at the beginning of quarantine in the beginning of covid like take care of yourself self-care but like it's still it's still completely valid to you know take time and to be easy with yourself and to really care for you know not just your body but also like your mental health Mm -hmm. and and do those things that you need um, one kind of tip that I'll share and that I, I do personally and share with all my clients is setting up your non-negotiables. And so I, I limit it to about three because we could go crazy and set like 10 non-negotiables in a day and that's not achievable. So I like, I think three is a nice, happy place to be. And so setting up the three things that you have to do in a day to make sure you're taking care of your body and you're feeling well. And this is completely individual to you. Um, so my three non-negotiables are drink water, get outside, and laugh. Those are like the three things that I need. And so if I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't drink water, I'm going to feel miserable and I'm not going to feel great the next day. And so I've put my priorities right there. They're That's on a so post-it. Good. They they sit on my computer and I look at it all day. It's my focus and that's what I do. Some days I'll do more, but other days I like just get by with those three, but I know if I get those three done, 
I'll be a happier, better person at the end of the day and then the next day too. Mm, Yeah, and you feel accomplished in a sense as well. Yeah, absolutely. You do feel accomplished and it's like a little bit of an anchor too to hold on to. You know that that is going to be consistent. If anything, those are the three things that are going to happen in a day and they're going to happen every single day. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so good. And another thing I want to ask you is, what is you know if someone goes to see a nutritionist for the first time what is one thing that they should absolutely ask them oh that's a good question um honestly i think i think they should be very upfront and very clear about how the nutritionist um will support them and get a really good idea of where they will be you know, in their journey. So like personally, I have like an online food journal that I use. And so that's where I am. I'm there on the app with you, following you, following your meals. Um, But not everyone does that. Um, So know kind of where and how they're going to be supporting you through the journey and between appointments. And then also kind of setting up an understanding and expectations for communication. So, you know, ask, can I text you or do you only want me to email you? Uh, If I text you at 10 o'clock at night, is that okay? Like kind of finding out how much access you have to them and um, where they'll be, you know, for you throughout Mm -hmm. the process. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because like you want to understand what the process is going to be like before you Mm -hmm. start. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it, that just helps to set up expectations and it also helps to set up boundaries. Mm, yeah. Speaking of boundaries, what yeah. are some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned through working with other people, through healing your own health and gut and other issues? Like what have you learned that is important for everyone else to hear? Definitely. Um, well, first off, it's my non- non-negotiables. That's yeah. like right off the bat. I've Um, learned that and I've been practicing that and it's very helpful and you know similarly to that saying no to things um, over I would say over the past two years is really when I I figured out how to evaluate situations and evaluate opportunities and understand if it's going to be helpful or hurtful Mm. and if it's not going to be helpful saying no and passing it up um I used to suffer from a lot of FOMO and I never wanted to say no to things. I, you know, never wanted to miss out. And then when I started realizing, you know, doing, you know, something every single night for four nights in a row just leaves me depleted and unable to, you know, be the provider that I want to be, um, has really helped me figure out where and when to say no. So that's been good and, and helpful. And then like really the last thing has been finding balance. So it's interesting to look back at when I first started my personal and professional nutrition journey. I was more like in the restriction style camp. I was like, I, you know, I didn't eat any gluten, any dairy, no sugar, nothing processed. I was very, very strict. And I was very alone in all of that, but I, you know, knew it was good for my body in in some sense. And I, you know, followed it to the T and it actually, you know, really isolated me, which is never a good thing. And so I've actually started to reintroduce a lot of different foods and a lot of different things into my life. And I have to tell you, um, gluten has definitely been demonized, but there are, there are ways to do it right. 
um, you had mentioned sourdough at the beginning. That's like one of the things I've added in is like a good sourdough bread. And like, let me tell you, like it, it's just a, a great thing to have and some, and like a great flexibility. So, you know, that lesson really is that restriction is not the answer. Um, and you have to find your own personal balance, whether it's with gluten and dairy or, you know, personal activities or professional activities, um, find that balance that works best for you. I'm really glad that you just brought that up because like you, I've had, you know, I've been, there have been times where I have restricted so many foods. And I mm-hmm. think that anyone who's dealt with any health issue, I would, you know, assume the majority of the people listening to this have mm-hmm. had some sort of a health issue and have gone on a restrictive diet. And while it may be helpful for a short period of time, in the long run, it just causes so much stress, at least for me. It just caused me so much stress. I like, I was so focused on what I was eating, when I was going to be eating it, where I would be eating. Like, it was just, and I never, like, I, you know, for me, it was never like a disordered eating issue, but it was just the stress around making sure I was, which I guess you could call a form of disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it was just like, it wasn't healthy for me. And I was like, I can still eat the way that I want, like the healthy way that I want 85% of the time. But if I want to go out for dinner or I want a bite of a cookie or I want, you know, whatever it is, like I'm not, it's not going to kill me. Like I'm probably, I'm not going to get sick from it. I'm going to be fine. Like just like understanding and accepting and coming to terms with that was so helpful for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what's like, what was my kind of tipping point is when I learned about how when we're stressed, we actually don't absorb our nutrients. Mm. So think of this, you're, you know, you've set up the perfect environment to eat your perfect dinner, perfectly portioned (laughs) with protein, fat, fiber, nutrients, and you're all alone. You're stressed about it. You're worried about the next meal. You're worried if it's going to be okay, or you're worried if it's going to make you bloated and you make it through the meal and you've just been worrying the whole time. Your body isn't going to take that food in as if you were sitting with all your families, family and friends and you were eating this, you know, diverse mixture of homemade foods and laughing and communicating and feeling happy. They're yeah. two very different meals. And honestly, I would pick the one is, I mean, a, a meal with family and friends that maybe was like gluten based. I would probably pick that over a lonely, scared, stressed, super healthy, gluten-free meal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think that that, it's so true. It has such a huge impact. And like, even again, going back to the last time that we spoke in terms of like when I was having some gut stuff issues a few Mm -hmm. months ago, like I was eating the healthy way that I normally eat, but I was just Mm -hmm. stressed. Like, yeah. And I feel like that's been, there's been so many points where that's been the case for me where, where I haven't changed anything except my stress level. And it's like just Mm -hmm. thrown everything off. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild and stress too, like, um, psychological stress can alter the composition of our microbiome. So like literally feeling stressed will change the balance of bacteria that we're seeing, which is just like mind blowing to me, but it's a survival mechanism. The body's trying to adjust based on how it's, you know, perceiving the environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
we I could talk about stress all day because <laughs> we both agree that it's you know it's the most important I would as you said more than what you eat more than the doctors you see the physical therapy you do like well, anything the exercise like you need to figure out stress management techniques 100 percent. so yeah I mean I've become so passionate about sharing that and I know that you are as well. I want to get into a few listener questions before we wrap up. Well, okay, so let me just look and see which ones we kind of covered. Someone asked, is gluten and dairy-free helpful or not? We talked about that briefly, but is there anything else that you have to say? Yeah, yeah, I'll just dive in quickly too. Mm -hmm. I think um, gluten and, and dairy have also kind of fallen under that like vegan, keto, paleo processed world. Um, Gluten-free and dairy-free products are also highly processed. Uh, Normally corn and rice-based and soy-based and they're not actually better for you. Um, Sometimes they're a great substitute if you have a true allergy. If you don't have a true like anaphylactic, you know, um, autoimmune response to them, I would urge you to try more traditionally made gluten and dairy products like a sourdough bread or like a truly fermented plain yogurt. Uh, These foods are much lower in the gluten proteins and much lower in lactose. So they're less aggravating to the body and they actually come with beneficial bacteria. So I would urge you to try like high quality real versions over lower quality processed alternatives what are your thoughts on intuitive eating okay so intuitive eating has been fun um to learn about i think it's been like a really great concept right now as as we're trying to as we are bumping up against diet culture and i'm so proud and so excited that so many people are starting to realize that diet culture is so pervasive and so unnecessary. And so I like the concept of, you know, listening to your body, listening to the signals of your body and eating accordingly. Um, my only caution there is that if our microbiome is, you know, out of balance, sugar cravings are going to be huge. Um, especially if we have yeast overgrowth, candida overgrowth, um, the microbiome has a direct connection to the brain through the vagus nerve and they all feed off of sugar. And so they're going to use that as a way to ask for the food that they need. And that might come up as a intuitive feeling that you need something sweet. So I think intuitive eating is great. We just have to be educated in the way we're listening to our bodies and know that some cravings, might be coming from, you know, a place of overgrowth or a place of, you know, you know, lack of balance in the microbiome. So, you know, always asking yourself too, like, what's the best form of the food that I'm craving? So like, Mm -hmm. if you are craving like a sandwich, have it on sourdough, like that's a really good form. Have some grass fed cheddar cheese, because that's much lower in lactose. Um, Put like a high quality protein on there, some avocado, like make it make it something that's also going to be helpful as Mm -hmm. you listen to your body. Yeah. And speaking of candida, someone asked, how do you get rid of candida galbrata? What's galbrata? 
Um, it's a different species of candida, um, all kind of under the same umbrella. And with candida, it's one of those opportunistic uh, yeasts that will overgrow um, when possible. And so with any sort of overgrowth, I personally like to look at the immune system. I like to look at blood sugar regulation and control, um, and then what the balance of the microbiome is. So, you know, it's supporting all of these things. It's having your pre and probiotics. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, everyone is pretty different. So it's hard to say, you know, right off the bat exactly how I would handle this. Um, but that is like the general general framework. And I would, you know, also recommend seeing a professional Mm -hmm. with something like this. I agree. Lastly, are there any resources that you have to recommend any books you're reading? Um, Mm -hmm. anything really? Um, let's see. So the latest book that I just ordered, I just pre-ordered um, Dr. Ramsey's new book, Eat to Beat Depression. Mm. Um, it's going, I'm, I have a strong feeling it's going to be an incredible resource for eating foods that are helpful in stress management and, you know, working on symptoms of depression and anxiety. So that's one book that I'm really looking forward to, to checking out. And Uh, let's see. And then also actually the Dorito effect has been like my favorite book that I keep reading over and over again. Um, so I, I would recommend checking that out if anyone's interested in the way processed foods have uh, affected us. Interesting. I've never heard of that book. I have to read it now. Next time I see you, I'll bring you a copy. Okay. It's it's literally, it's, it will blow your mind. Oh my God. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. And lastly, where can everyone contact you, follow you, reach you, et cetera? Yes. yes. So um, I'm on Instagram. It's Thrive East Nutrition. And uh, my website is thriveeast.com. And you can reach me on both platforms there. I'm also on Facebook too, Thrive East Nutrition. I know Facebook isn't as hot right now, but I am there. So if you are on Facebook, you want to get me there. Um, I am always checking. So please reach out if you have any questions. And I'm happy to happy to be a resource to anyone. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for being here. This was so interesting. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this because as I said so much good advice and things that people can implement and just like I I feel like when we learn about these things the education really just takes us to another level like it opens our minds to what could be wrong with like you know not what could be wrong but like what we might need to change to feel better so I love having these conversations. This was so informative. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Hannah. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.